This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Audrey Cooper, the editor-in-chief of the San Francisco Chronicle. Today I'm joined by Sarah Felberg, who is the editor of a new effort we're launching this week called The Culture Desk. The Culture Desk is going to be its own print section in Sunday's paper, and it will also have stories throughout the week on sfchronicle.com. Tomorrow, Ryan Cost will be here to discuss his big story for the inaugural Culture Desk edition. But first, I talked to Sarah Feldberg about this big effort. We'll have that after this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Sarah Felberg, welcome to Fifth Emission. Thank you. In the podcast studio for the first time. It's exciting to be here. It is exciting. It's exciting because you have big news to share with everybody, and that is the launch of... The Culture Desk. Yeah, I should have done a drum roll or something. <laughs> so the Culture Desk sounds like a very formal title to something. What is it? The Culture Desk is is not such a formal thing, but it is um, our relaunch of what was formerly the San Francisco Chronicle style section. And we have been thinking about it and experimenting with some storytelling. And now we are relaunching it to focus on the culture of the Bay Area today. Awesome. And and you're the editor of this new effort. That's me. And you joined us in April. So you're one of our newest editors on staff. Tell us a little bit about what makes you qualified to talk about culture in the Bay Area. Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I'm a relative newcomer to the Bay Area. I've only been here about five years. And I think that is both uh, a weakness and uh, a benefit, a strength for me, because my eyes are sort of still open and things that other people maybe take for granted and are just so used to seeing that they don't register anymore, to me, still feel strange and confusing. So I ask a lot of questions. And I think, you know, over the last five years, I've learned a lot about the barrier, but there's still so much I don't know and so much that I'm excited to learn and recognizing. So I think I think that helps me as an editor to say, you know, I have a question about this. Let's see if anyone has asked this question before. I think that's such a good point because I remember when I moved to the Bay Area in 99, I thought this was the strangest place on earth because people ate weird things and they exercised for fun and they always seemed to be happy. I still don't understand the exercising for fun thing. To <laughs> be, but it is true that when you come here from the outside, you notice things about us that we maybe don't notice about ourselves. Give us – can you think of an example of something? Oh, my gosh. Well, my – I mean, even finding an apartment here, this – you know, we talk about housing all the time in the Chronicle and we cover it from so many different angles. Um, my personal experience was that it took me three months to find an apartment. 
And I was not being picky. I was looking. You would live anywhere. I was looking in every neighborhood. I was trying to pay a year's rent up front. I was carrying my checkbook and like my entire financial history with me everywhere that I went. If someone had mugged me, they would have stolen my my identity was like present in my purse at all times. <laughs> Just in case you saw somebody who had an apartment. I mean, and they needed your social security it, exactly. number right away. It was uh, yeah, and I I mean it was an emotional roller coaster. I cried in the line for Mitchell's ice cream when I got rejected from an apartment that I thought was mine. That is a very Bay Area story. Oh, it was brutal. I went to an apartment showing in Emeryville where someone had ridden his bike and had been hit by a car on the way to the apartment showing and was bleeding, but it was a two-bedroom and it wasn't that expensive, and he had come anyway. (laughs) And I just, I was shell-shocked. I had sort of come to the Bay Area with this confidence that I would find somewhere to live, and every day it felt darker and darker, and like I would never leave the basement in-law apartment that some friends were very generously letting me and my husband crash in. So, like, I think everybody hears those stories and they're like, we're all laughing here because it's like, oh, yeah, I know that. But what makes your job so interesting is even though there are these things that we all know about, your job is to, like, put that into a news story. So how do you do that and what kind of things will the culture dust be writing about? Yeah, I mean, I think that that sort of anecdote is a great example. And one of the conversations that I had here when I first got here and still have is how we define making it. And how making it in the Bay Area is a different thing than it is in a lot of places. And we have to adjust our expectations of what that means. Um, And that's a conversation I've had with everyone from, you know, my hairstylist to the bartender (laughs) serving me a beer. Um, Really, everyone is talking about that. And so that's that's something we're looking at. We actually have a new column that we're getting ready to launch. The name is still TBD, but about how creative professionals make it work in the Bay Area and how they approach both work and life and money in ways that allow them to do these professions that in general don't pay really well, but they want to stay here and why they want to stay and how they make it work. Wow, that's interesting. So what other stories do you have in the pipeline that you might be able to to tell us about? Sure. Uh, We have a story I'm really excited about that's going to run not this coming Sunday, October 6th, but the following week about gray houses. I'm obsessed with the story (laughs) idea. I think you know I'm obsessed about it because I talked about it ever since I heard that we were doing it. This is a great story. um, And it's about sort of the gray washing, specifically of the Mission District, but really of the Bay Area and San Francisco in general, um, and the, the prevalence of gray paints that people are buying Victorian and Edwardian houses and repainting them out of the painted lady style of tricolor polychrome and into gray, just gray. Um, And why that's happening, uh, there's some really interesting historical context that I didn't know before our reporter did a bunch of research and reporting and read about the history of these houses in the Bay Area. Um, And it's the kind of thing that once you read her story. Yeah, you you see it everywhere. You can't help but see it. I have to admit. I live in a gray house. Oh, but I, I did not paint it gray. It was gray <laughs> when I bought it. So, But I feel super guilty about that now. But what I love about the story is that it may be something that people have said off and on. I The first time I heard this, I had a cab driver actually complain to me about it. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I went along. So the fact that you and Annie, who's writing it, like can conceptualize that into a story and bring cultural context and help us understand this trend in the history of, you know, of of San Francisco, I think is really exciting. But what was wrong with style? I mean, you like fashion, right? What was wrong with that? 
I do. I mean, I'm sitting over here in my old navy pants. But um, yeah, I think there was nothing wrong with style. Um, San Francisco, we actually have some funny stories coming up about the style of the Bay Area in San Francisco. Um, But I think what we saw in looking at some of the data that we have and reactions from our readers was that style was hitting too narrow of a community of readers. And we really felt like there was an opportunity to branch out and to bring more readers into that section. And that we were missing some stories. There were stories that, you know, we were telling in style that were doing well and that people were responding to, but we were sort of missing a place in the newsroom to talk about some of the cultural movements and changes happening in the Bay Area. And, you know, as listeners to Fifth and Mission know, we have beats in a newsroom and people are responsible for covering different areas and being experts on them. And it's really hard to cover everything. Inevitably, things fall through the cracks. And in a in a beat like culture, where there's not so much breaking news happening, it's more the sort of gray house recognition that something is changing. And it's sort of a, a creeping change rather than this happened today. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that's harder for a newsroom to cover, especially if you don't have a team that is really dedicated to focusing on it. Yeah, because I just, I mean, I just said I, I had thought about this and it had never occurred to me that it could have been a story for us because I have a very news-centric point of view. It's my background. So I'm all about like what's new and what can we uncover. But like some people in the newsroom think differently. And what I love about how you've re-envisioned this is it brings to me um, another depth of understanding about our community and allows us to have a richer conversation about our, our priorities and our ideals and our values as a community once we understand it more fully. But I think you might also agree that culture in the Bay Area is definitely not monolithic. So how are you planning on representing all the different cultures that come come in, all of the tribes of San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a huge question. And that's a big part of what we're trying to do. Um, that is very much still a work in progress. And part of it is reaching out to writers all over the Bay Area. I think, you know, Annie was able to notice the gray houses because she lives in the city and she walks around and she sees them. And, um, I'm, you know, we're not part of every community. We're not part of all these places. And so we need writers and people telling us what's going on in their communities. We want to hear from readers. We want to hear from writers all over the Bay Area. And we have our own staff writers that, you know, are out on the streets, are out reporting all the time. So we also look to our own newsroom and say, what are you seeing while you're out reporting news stories? What are those interesting things that catch your eye? And for a second you go, huh, that's weird. I never noticed that before. That's a change and making sure that they sort of flag those things to me or to one of our writers so that we can dive into that a little deeper or find the right reporter um, as a freelancer who maybe is part of a community to dive into that. So there are specific verticals or that I mean to people outside of a newsroom, they don't know what that means. It like topic areas that the culture desk is going to be focusing on. What are they? Yeah, we have a whole bunch right now. Um, Identity, wealth and power, sex and relationships, health, family, tech as culture, and Bay Area pride. Yeah, all of those are very Bay Area. I want to talk about two of them in particular. Um, The first is the families and relationships and parenting advice, because that's really not a place that we see reflected in the newspaper very often. And um, nobody can see this, but you're pregnant right now. I hope you don't mind. I am. I'm very very pregnant pregnant. right now. (laughs) Um, I have a seven-year-old son. And how you raise children in the Bay Area is so different than everywhere else. What do you hope, like, who are you hoping to reach with that sort of content? 
Yeah, I think that's a great question. We, we're really hoping to reach out to parents all over the Bay Area. We we had a story that ran a couple weeks ago as we've been sort of moving in this culture desk direction um, that was noticing that uh, tap rooms specifically in the East Bay have become really kid-friendly recently. Yes, and God bless them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love all of you that have playgrounds within your breweries for children. Thank you. Very, very helpful. Um, so I think, I think that's one of the things we're looking to sort of capture is – how is parenting changing? How, as parents, um, have, you know, maybe they don't want to spend money on a babysitter because the cost of living in the Bay Area is so expensive. The cost they, of babysitters is, you will find this out. It's like, you know, it's it's more than minimum wage. Just let's put it, <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> um, yeah. So what are, how, how are businesses responding to parents and their changing needs? How are parents adapting to the cost of living of being here and what it means to be in an urban environment and be in a city, especially where we're dealing with, um, you know, issues around homelessness? How do you raise compassionate kids and keep kids safe? Um, what, it, what does it mean to be a parent in the Bay Area today? And what are the struggles um, and the benefits of staying. The other one you mentioned is health. And I think it's it's one thing that we, we have two health writers in the newsroom. Um, they're mostly covering science and health policy. And recently it's been all about Juul. <laughs> but what are you hoping to do that's different from that in terms of health? Yeah, when we talk about health, it's it's less of those subject areas and more sort of the trends that are informing the way we think about our own health. Um, and that can delve into fitness and that working out, those people who work out for fun, that can mean we did a story recently about um, fertility apps and the idea that women and men are getting really interested in their own fertility. And there are these apps that women can use to track their ovulation cycles that the tech industry, which is obviously a big part of life in the Bay Area is catering now to women and to especially women of reproductive age um, and creating testing and devices that help them monitor and take control of their own fertility and sort of those sort of trend stories that are less about about breaking news or about science, but more about how we interact with our own health and how we make our own health decisions. I think the outdoors is part of that to you too, isn't it? I mean, so much of our health and our culture is about being outside. What what sort of role does the outdoors play in this? Yeah, I mean, that's part of that's part of Bay Area culture. The Bay Area is a place where the outdoors is here, it's available. You don't have to drive for hours and hours to get to somewhere where you can feel like you're a little bit outside of the city. Um, and so that's part of it. Part of culture is how do we play? You know, we're talking a lot about how people make money, how they survive, how they take creative uh, creativity when it comes to finding housing, but also how do we have fun in the Bay Area? What are the changing ways that we spend our leisure time? And I think outdoors is a big part of that. Yeah, or tap rooms with playgrounds. Um, <laughs> the, I also, before we go, I want... I want you to talk a little bit about your inaugural issue that is going to come out Sunday in print, and it's going online earlier on sfchronicle.com. So maybe by the time everybody listens to this, they can log on to the website and see these stories. What are you calling this first batch of stories? Well, just to keep things really light and fun for the first <laughs> issue, we've decided on Apocalypse Soon. Um, that sounds lovely. It's Yeah, it's really it's been a delight. <laughs> Um, so and not is, apocalypse now. Hopefully not right now. But apocalypse soon. So soon. what does that mean? Yeah. So this is sort of – it's the culture desk way of covering climate change. And that means how does climate change affect our daily lives? 
um, the Chronicle just did some amazing coverage of the science and the response um, in terms of how the Bay Area is dealing with climate change. But on an individual basis, as a human being living in the world and living in the Bay Area today, what effect does climate change have on your life? So we're looking at mental health, for instance, that climate change is driving people to seek therapy. How are psychologists and psychiatrists helping people who are dealing with this? What kind of new issues are patients bringing to their doctors? Um, family planning is a big one. That's the one that I wrote about. Um, and the idea of having children right now and the future that they're going to face and whether whether that's a choice that we want to make to bring kids into the world when the future is so uncertain. Um, I can just hear like all of uh, like an older group of listeners rolling their eyes and saying everybody is so dramatic about this. Like, did you find that people are actually going to their therapists with concerns about that? And why why do you think or or having this discussion before they have children? Did you is that actually happening? And why do you think that? is so acute in a certain generation. It is. You know, it's it's funny. As you mentioned, I'm pregnant and I, I'm in my mid-30s and climate change is very much on my mind, but it wasn't something that my husband and I really talked about before we decided to try to get pregnant. Um, and I spoke to a professor from UC Riverside and some young couples in their 20s for the story that I wrote about family planning. Um, and they said that, yeah, climate change was really at the forefront of their decision-making when it came to thinking about reproduction and family planning and the idea that the future is uncertain and it looks fairly bleak and do they want to have a child who, by the time they can legally drink a beer in this city, will be dealing with food shortages and chronic flooding and all of these issues that we talk about. Um, so it's I think it really there's a generational breakdown that is really interesting and that younger people who are you know, in their 20s and younger than that, are really seeing this as an immediate threat to their futures and the futures that they've imagined for themselves. Yeah, I think the the level of stress that the generation, maybe maybe our generation and the next, the next down, I, I think people can't really appreciate that this is really a stressor and this is going to impact this generation and what they decide to do for, for years to come. Um, and certainly when you decide to have a baby, that is a long-term commitment, not only for the time <laughs> that it's living with you, but also how long and what world they get to inhabit. Um, what is the one thing that you are most looking forward to in launching this new section and this new um, part of our website? I'm really looking forward to hearing from our readers. Um, we are going to use the assignment editor tool that we have at The Chronicle, not immediately, but sometime in the coming weeks. Please keep an eye out for it. Uh, and we're going to ask our readers, what are the cultural stories that you think we should be telling? What are the things happening in your communities, in your world that you think are really informing the changing culture of the Bay Area today? Um, I really want to hear from people. I think, you know, Culture is something we're all experiencing all the time. It's happening around us. We're participating in it. And that means it's relevant to everybody. So we really want to make sure that we're telling stories that feel vital and relevant to all of our readers around the Bay Area. And if we're not, we want to hear from people saying, you're missing this. This isn't, you know, you haven't told this story. This is my community. Here's what's happening. 
I call those things uh, conceptual scoops. Like they're not new scoops in a traditional sense, but they're like the concepts that make us sit back and go, huh? So if readers um, don't see the assignment editor poll on our website, but they have an idea for you right away, how do you want them to reach out? Well, they can email me directly. My email is sarah.feldberg at sfchronicle.com, and you can find it on the Culture Desk page. Awesome. Sarah, thank you so much. And good luck with the launch of your first baby. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thanks to Sarah Feldberg for being with me today. You can find the Culture Desk's news stories on sfchronicle.com and in Sunday's Printed Chronicle. Remember, tomorrow, Ryan Cost will be with us on Fifth Emission to discuss his big story for the inaugural issue. Thanks to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thanks to all of you for listening. Fifth Emission is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. If you like this show, we'd love it if you'd subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. You can support Fifth Emission and the newsroom that creates it with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.